From introducing the Riot to Jacksonville to successfully launching Celebration Orlando and so much more, it has been amazing to look back on the past year and see all that God has done in the life of our church. All that He is building in our church and those who call it home is far from over. Here's what's coming up this year. In 2015, we raised enough capital to officially purchase the land at I-295 and Highway 17, and it's time to take the next step reaching 255,000 households in the surrounding community, including NAS Jack's military family homes. This new building will double OP's current main sanctuary capacity to 1,500 seats, enhance Sea Kids worship environments, expand the loft area, and include new offices for the Orange Park campus staff. We know that buildings don't make a church, people do. And this expansion will create more space to reach more people in the Orange Park community with the good news of Jesus. Our mission as a church is to lead all people from all backgrounds at all stages and ages to experience a God-first life, which includes our kids. At the Arena Campus, our Celebration Kids have outgrown their space. To enhance their experience and give them more room to learn and grow, we will add a fun, interactive Sea Kids wing to the Arena Campus. We are also working diligently to develop a cohesive discipleship program that will keep our kids engaged in church from preschool all the way through their transition into the riot. With larger gathering spaces, breakout rooms, and these new resources, there is so much in store for Sea Kids and their families this coming year. Weekend and midweek services at Julington Creek continue to push the limits in their current sanctuary and kids spaces as they reach more people and more families in the surrounding communities. We want to improve and increase the capacity of their building by expanding the sanctuary to make room for more people and improve the parking lot. In addition, we will upgrade the Sea Kids environments and implement the same cohesive discipleship program that will lead your children from Sea Kids into the riot, leaving a legacy by continuing our investment in the future of the church. In addition to these current campus improvements, this year we will begin to answer God's call and establish two more campus gates around the city. First up, the Regency and Arlington communities are of rich historic significance to the city of Jacksonville, and we believe God has called us to help be a part of restoring this area of our city for the glory of God. We have an incredible opportunity to place a new Celebration Campus location at the Regency Mall, which was once a key centerpiece of the city, and we believe it will be once again. With so many opportunities for outreach and ministry to this area of Jacksonville, the ground is fertile, and we can't wait to see what God will do. Next up, heading out to the beaches. We felt God calling us to plant celebration in the beaches area for years and are believing for a prime location in this community to strategically place the fifth of our seven campus gates around the city. We wanna get started making the development and implementation of this campus a reality in 2016. Strategically placing these campuses as wide open gates for God's grace, love, forgiveness, and salvation to surround all those who enter is so near to the heart of our church. And we can't wait to be a part of building them and seeing God do what only He can do through them. As our final initiative of the year, we want to increase our investments in the students, men, women, families, and marriages who call Celebration home by offering more opportunities for them to experience God's transforming presence and power in the context of retreats. Taking time away from the pressures of everyday life for a time of spiritual emphasis is one of the most effective tools in learning to fully walk out the God-first life. We saw this firsthand when our Riot students held their first week-long retreat over the summer. The result was seriously transformational. Honey Lake Resort, located near Jacksonville and just east of Tallahassee, is the perfect location for hosting these types of retreats. 
Through a strategic partnership, we will have access to this amazing property where we will see many lives and marriages transformed. Perhaps more than ever before, people are searching for unchanging, unwavering hope to cling to in difficult, confusing, dark times. We know the hand of God is moving and making room in our church and our city to bring His light to that darkness and His peace, love, and hope along with it. We will create space in both our church and our lives for all who encounter us to encounter God and the fullness and freedom that we're given when we seek and put Him first. This is how we will leave a legacy. How are we doing tonight? Everyone good? Awesome, welcome. Hey, can you keep your hands clapping for everyone watching online? All of our online audience, really glad to have you. Join in for the last sub 30 service of the year. And uh, hey man, you just saw that video about all of the upcoming stuff happening here at Celebration Church. It's awesome, isn't it? There's so much on the move and I'm gonna talk a little bit at the very end of the message tonight about how we can participate in moving forward. We've been doing something all weekend here uh, at Celebration across all of our campuses called Heart for the House. Did it last year, maybe you participated. I'll talk more about that uh, at the end. But uh, man, that's amazing. A lot of campuses are, are gonna come online. Eventually, uh, you saw beaches. Celebration's gonna plant a campus out towards the beaches. We're working on that. Uh, the Regency, anybody ever been to the Regency Mall? Come on. There's a spot that is opening up over in the Regency, Arlington side of town. And uh, that is a location that we are really going after to try to put a celebration campus uh, there. And uh, obviously if you are coming on Sunday mornings, perhaps sometimes you've heard Pastor Stovall talk about this a lot, about putting these campuses as like a gate around the, the city. And that's our heart. And that's what we're striving to do. And uh, 2016 is gonna be another year of making that vision happen that God's given us. And uh, it's awesome to be a part of a church like that, huh? That's just constantly growing, reaching people. And uh, I'm thankful to just play a small part in what God's doing here at Celebration. And uh, you know, since it is like the last, uh, the last service of the year, I wanted to celebrate just a couple more things before uh, we open up scripture tonight, uh, just particularly with Sub 30. Uh, this has been an incredible year. Uh, there's probably a lot of people in the room tonight and uh, you, like, like 2015 was your year coming to Sub 30. Like it was the year you finally came, you finally got involved, like God did a work in your life. Maybe he's like still doing a work in your life. Come on, amen. But, uh, but like 2015 was your year. A lot happened this year and I mean, our teams are growing. It was just like when we look at like all of our numbers tracking all across the board, like everything's just, just growing. I want you to know that this year at Sub 30, we have more people on serving teams than we've ever had in the history of Sub 30. I love that. We have right now, we have like over 200 people on Sub 30 serving teams involved, serving uh, every single week or maybe even bi-weekly involved in what we do here at Sub 30 in the local church. This year in 2015, our groups are at an all-time high. They've never been higher than what they are right now in the history of Sub 30. Right now we're at like low 60% of Sub 30 is involved in community and going to a group participating and uh, just been doing life, right? Doing life with other people, hanging out in community, participating in groups. Um, another thing that I was really blessed by is this year's Sub 30 Giving. 
right? When it comes down to like tithe and offering giving. Uh, Sub 30 from the beginning, January 2015 to where we're at right now, Sub 30 giving has increased by $20,000 a month. That's incredible. And let me just say this, it ain't because rich college students showed up, okay? Like we all know that's not right, but, 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 but what is a testament to that? It's just, man, more people are trusting God in the area of their finances. It's awesome, like, like more people have caught the revelation. I'm not just gonna give God all my junk and all the things I need him to fix, but I'm actually gonna let God into this area of my life that I really like and I would actually want more of, but I'm gonna let God even have control of that area of my life as well. I love it that people are trusting God in that area and it shows. And then the best statistic we could ever have um, this year is in 2015, 789 people at Sub 30 have given their life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. Come on, come on, you need to clap and get loud about that right there. 789 people received Jesus this year. That is why we do what we do. That's why we give, that's why we serve, that's why we work hard, that's why we labor, that's why we do all of this stuff is so that more and more people who are far from God can find life in the person of Jesus Christ, amen? Awesome to be a part of something like that, man. I love it so much. If you have your Bible, let's open up to John chapter two. I'm gonna share with us for a little while and we got donuts waiting, we got coffee, hot chocolate waiting and um, obviously I'm in my Christmas sweater. so there were some other options, but they were all inappropriate. I couldn't wear them. Uh, and so that I saw online, anyone like, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to say it, I guess. So I want to say it, but I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for saying it. So I just, I'll leave it at that. But um, I, w- I went with like a, just a safe version. It's just a pattern, right? You can't get in trouble for a pattern. So John chapter two, starting in verse one, says this. It says on the third day, everyone say third day. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Uh, Verse three, when the wine was gone, okay? Problem, right? (laughs) Come on, yeah, you throwing a party or two. Okay, so (laughs) when the wine was gone, oh no. Jesus' mother said to him, um, they have no more wine. Verse four, woman, why do you involve me? Okay, now Jesus, he's testing her right here. He's testing her. I, I I never call him my mom woman, okay? I'm not, I ain't doing it, but I'm not Jesus. I guess when you're the savior of the world, you can kind of get by with stuff like that. Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Right? She, don't even, she ain't even playing this game, right? Jesus is like, mom, it's not my time yet. And she doesn't, just do whatever he tells you to do. I'm out. She just, peace, she's gone, okay? Mom's gone now. He, and this is Jesus and the servants, right? Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned to wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and said, listen to what he said. Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after all the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. I love it. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first among the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. If you wanna take notes for a few minutes tonight on the last night here, 2015 of Sub 30, I've entitled this message, First and Last. First and Last. Let's pray together before we get into it. Father, we love you. 
Lord, we just go ahead and say right now that this year has been awesome. God, 789 brand new people in the kingdom of God. That is something to be celebrated. Lord, we rejoice in that. We thank you for that. We know that we're not talented enough to make that happen. I'm not a good enough communicator enough to, like, to do that. God, it is by your spirit that all of these things have increased and happened and people have been saved. And so Lord, we honor you first and foremost for what you've accomplished this year. And God, we just say tonight, let our hearts one last time this year, God, be open, ready to receive the word. We're gonna receive it with gladness and it's gonna make us look more like Jesus. Lord, you're always doing a work in our life. And every time we're in church, God, the message is always for us. You brought us here tonight because you wanna share something with us. You want us to hear something in your word. God, tonight we're ready to hear it. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Awesome, amen. Back in, uh, in like the 2001, 2002 uh, time period, uh, there was something that kind of came and it was floating around like the internet. I saw it and stuff like that. And I think a few of my friends had passed it around to one another. And I think they might even put it up on the screen behind me. But this is what it says. It says, um, according to a research at Cambridge University, it doesn't matter in what order the letters in a word are. The only important thing is that the first and the last letter be in the right place. The rest can be a total mess and you can still read it without problem. This is because the human mind does not read every letter by itself, but the word as a whole and the brain figures it out anyway, right? The brain figures it out anyway. Now, when I read that, okay, I'll, I'll just say this. I'm, I'm no scientist. I, I'm no scientist. I'm not even a Cambridge professor. So I'm not here to debate with you tonight whether this particular law and rule is like 100% true all of the time with no exception. I, I don't know. But when I saw this and when I read this as a preacher and as a pastor, I read this and I'm like, yo, this is preaching right here. This is about to preach right here. This is great illustration. This is great stuff right here because this is what it's saying. Um, as long as the first letter is correct, and as long as the last letter is correct, all the other letters in the middle of the word might be messed up. They might be out of order. They might be a little chaotic. They, they might be a little messy. But as long as the first is right and the last is right, then you can still step back and see it and make sense of the whole thing. Your mind can make sense as long as the first and the last are in the correct place, as long as they're in their proper order. And when I read that sub 30, I thought, man, this is a brilliant picture of life and the saving, redeeming work of Jesus Christ. What an amazing picture. You see, I'll say it like this sub 30. Um, your first was taken care of by God. Like your first is, is, is good. Your first was taken care of. Read with me in Genesis chapter one, verse 27. I wanna read a couple scriptures to you, right? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Psalm 139 and verse 14, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. Job 33 verse four, the spirit of God has made me, everyone say made me. Made. The spirit of God has made me, the breath of the almighty gives me life. Ephesians 2 and 10, for we are God's handiwork. Another version says his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I read all of those passages and it's a simple reminder to all of us tonight that God, when he, when he got us started, our first is correct. Your beginning is on point. Your start is all good. Think of it like this. You were formed and fashioned by the brilliant God of the universe in the image of the brilliant God of the universe for the purposes of the brilliant God of the universe. Like your, your first is correct. God does not make mistakes. 
Okay, God does not make error. God does not have accidents. God wasn't surprised when you were born. God doesn't have a junk drawer. You have a junk drawer at your house? Anybody like, like we have a junk drawer. I don't know if you have a junk drawer. Maybe it's in your kitchen. It's somewhere. And, and you know what a junk drawer is, right? It's a bunch of stuff that you didn't really want to throw away, but you don't really want to use a lot either. And so you just throw it into this junk drawer and it sits there. God does not have a junk drawer when it comes to what he created. God doesn't have a place where like he's putting human beings where he's like, you know what? I don't really want to use you. I don't really have a lot of, of stuff for you to do, but I don't really want to throw you out either. So I'm just going to kind of put you, God doesn't have junk drawers. God didn't make mistakes. God wasn't surprised when you were born one day. It wasn't like you and you know, your mom and dad got hopped up on some red wine one night and oh my gosh, what in the world? And God's like, oh no, I didn't, you know, like he wasn't surprised when you were born. You're made in the image of God. You were formed. You were fashioned. He created you. He spent time on you. There was intentionality there. He planned what you were going to look like. He planned what your gifts and your talents and your abilities were going to be. He portioned all that to you. Your first was correct. Your first was on point. So, so to speak, your first letter is correct because Jesus had his hand on you when he created you. You're, you were right the minute that he made you. God didn't make mistakes, but I think all of us have lived long enough now, right? Most of us, maybe some of us still 18, 19, most of us maybe in our 20s, early 30s, we've lived long enough now to know that this journey called life can get real messy in the middle. It can get real messy in the middle, real chaotic, pretty out of order at times if we're not careful, right in the middle. You see, sometimes the middle gets out of order and the middle gets messy. I just wrote down a couple of things. Sometimes it's because of things that have happened to us. Sometimes your middle of life, it got messy because of something that happened to you. But then sometimes, number two, life gets messy and out of order because of things that you've done and like you were actually the catalyst to some of it getting out of whack and, and messed up and all out of order. Sometimes the middle gets out of order because of mistakes that we make. Sometimes it gets out of order because of patterns of sin or poor choices, bad habits. I wrote down uncontrollable circumstances. Sometimes it gets out of order because of controllable circumstances that we just let get out of control, right? The middle can get messy sometimes. The middle can get crazy sometimes. But the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, hear me tonight, sub 30 is this. The gospel is this, that before God ever formed you, before he ever fashioned you and put all of us on this planet called earth, he knew we were gonna mess up the middle. He, like, like he knew, he knew before I give them this brand new start and before the first letter, so to speak, of their journey is gonna be correct, I already know they're gonna mess the middle of this thing up. So God in his infinite knowledge and wisdom went ahead and created an alternate ending to the story of mankind with his son, Jesus Christ. He knew we were gonna mess up the middle. So he created a plan and sent his son to ensure that the last can still be redeemed even when the middle gets messed up by you and I. This is the good news of Jesus. This is the gospel that God created an alternate ending to the story of mankind. And I love, you know, it was, I wrote this down. It was his love that made a way, right? It was his love that made a way for Jesus to have the last word and the last work in our life, a saving work. Jesus is the first and the last. Jesus is the alpha and the omega. Jesus is the beginning and the end. You know, I heard it said one time, love isn't love until you prove it. Okay, that's deep right there. Some of y'all, you're, like, you're in relationships and you're like, man, do, do we love each other? Love and love until you prove it. 
Like, like, like prove, okay, love isn't like, like there's these guys that I have in my life sometimes and, and like I wouldn't even really call us friends. We're more like acquaintances and, and they're all over the nation and sometimes like we might text each other through whatever kind of circumstances, you know, if you gotta reach out or something. And sometimes there's people that I know and they say things like, yo man, I just wanna say I love you, man. And it's like, I appreciate the sentiment, I appreciate the word, but like you haven't really shown me anything like, like that you love me. Like how do like, like, I mean, we're not that close, are we? I mean, I think we're more like acquaintances, but you're like, yo, I love, like, I don't know if you've ever had that before. Love isn't love until you prove it, right? The thing I love about Jesus, the thing I love about my Bible and this story is that this is not a book written about some guy who quote unquote loves you. I, I know he loves me because he's proven that he loves me when he got on a cross and he died for me. Love it, love till you prove it. Well, that's all good because my God proved it. Jesus proved that he loved me. You see, sub 30, Jesus was involved in your first, but when you involve Jesus in your last, then even if the middle gets out of order, even if the middle gets messy, even if the middle gets chaotic, when you invite Jesus to have that last word, when you invite Jesus to have that last work done in your life, then what happens is people can step back and they can read your life. And even if the middle got a little messed up because Jesus is your first and your last, all of a sudden your life still makes sense. People can still read your life and realize that Jesus has done a work. God is good and it's bringing glory to Jesus every step of the way. My life can glorify God when he's the first and the last. My life can can bring glory to Jesus. My life can reflect the character of Jesus Christ when I allow him to have first and last in my life. I might not be perfect in the middle. I might have not made all the best decisions in life. In fact, sometimes I might go astray every now and then, but as long as I let Jesus have the last word, as long as I let Jesus have the last word, then my life can still be read for the glory of God and it can still acknowledge that Jesus has done something in me. You know, the Bible tells us in scripture that it's possible for people to see your life and see your good works, but they glorify the Father in heaven. It's awesome when you think about it. Someone's maybe, they have the potential to look at me, but then they glorify God because of how I'm choosing to live my life and the good works that God's doing in me. But that's only possible when Jesus takes his rightful seat in your life as the first and the last. He's the first and the last. And so I just wanna look at this passage in John chapter two like I typically do, and I just wanted to pull out just a couple things as Jesus is performing his first miracle right here as he turns water into wine. The first thing I notice in this passage is that Jesus, his first and last miracle on earth were on the third day. His first and last miracle in, inside of his life and, and death and, and his time here on earth were on the third day day. It was the third day when he turned water into wine, and it was the third day when he rose again from the dead. See, in Cana, here at this wedding, the people were searching for someone to save the party. At Calvary, the people were searching for someone to save the world. The point being this, whether regardless of, of time and place, when Jesus is called upon, he brings salvation with him. Any time and place that Jesus is called upon, he always brings salvation with him. So in other words, Jesus saves is not just some bumper sticker or billboard that we all see driving down I-10. Jesus saves is a truth that cannot be denied. Where he is, therein lies salvation. When Jesus is at the party, the party can only be saved at Cana because Jesus was there. Otherwise, this party is downhill and we are fresh out of natty light. Like there's, there's, we got no, we got no more, right? 
Jesus shows up, party saved, right? The world is dead in their trespasses and sin, right? The law is heavy and weighty and ain't no one able to keep it. The world is doomed until Jesus shows up on a cross and walks out of a grave and then, uh oh, day saved. Because wherever Jesus is, therein lies salvation. He brings it with him wherever Jesus is welcomed. It's the first and last miracle we're done on the third day. It's as if to say, just as everything on day one and day two seem to be slowly declining, Jesus makes his move at last. And now watch this. Day three was better than the first two. Now, now that Jesus has been invited, day three is better than day one and day two. I, I wrote this down, sub 30. Sometimes in life, day two looks really bad when you haven't seen enough day threes. Sometimes day two looks really, really bad when you haven't seen enough day threes. You see, I'm at this place finally, I think, and I'm not perfect. I'm still growing. I'm still maturing in my own walk with the Lord. But I think now I'm getting to a place where day twos don't look as bad as they used to because I've seen enough day threes. Like I've seen God do a work. In. And here's the point. When you have enough day threes in your life, the, the, the moment when Jesus shows up and he does the miracle, he does the work, he totally saves the day, he totally rescues you. After you've seen enough day threes, it becomes harder and harder for the enemy to get you down on day twos. Man, I remember when I was first, yeah, you can clap if you wanna clap. I remember when I was first like really serving God, man, day twos looked horrible. Like day twos, you're like, man, this party's dying. God, my, my situation's in bad shape. I don't know what's gonna happen. You're crying, you're depressed. You're all bent out of shape. The enemy's attacking you. You feel like you're about this small. Like it's just weighty and heavy. But now I've seen enough day threes. I've seen Jesus, I've seen Jesus come in in the nick of time, right? Right on time, hello. I've seen him come so much. I've seen him be there. I've seen him raise things up. I've seen him bring resource and help out of, out of left field where I never thought it was gonna come from. I've seen enough day threes. And now day twos don't look that bad. This is what happens when you serve Jesus. Some people, maybe you're even in this room right now and, and you're young in this journey uh, with God and it's still in like the early days for you. I'm so glad that now you're involved. I'm so glad that now you're following Jesus. It, listen to me, it's only gonna get better, right? I'm not saying you're not gonna go through some stuff. Like sometimes life just throws you curveballs. We're all gonna go through some stuff, but it's gonna get better. And what you perceive to be horrible day twos right now, here in about five years, you're gonna look back and say, man, I could have handled that five, 10 more times because day twos don't look as bad when you have a lot of day threes. And when Jesus shows up, man, he brings salvation with him. Day threes happen and the miracle takes place and God gets all the glory. Number two, the second thing I saw is this. The day three wine was better than the day one wine. The day three wine was better than the day one wine. You can read it, look at verse nine or 10. Right there, the master of the banquet, he tasted it, right? He realized, man, this has been turned into wine. It's not water anymore. He pulls the bride and the groom aside. And this is what he says to him. Man, everyone normally brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after everyone's basically a little bit tipsy, right? We're going to serve the good stuff, right? But then y'all had some. We're just going to bring out the junk, right? But, but man, you have saved the best for last. Where did, where, in other words, like the master of the household, he's like, he's totally dumbfounded at this. Where did this where did this wine come from? This is not how the normal party flow goes. I don't know what's happening here because this day three stuff is way better than that day one stuff that we had at the beginning. You see, this, I guess, was like a rule of thumb, right? At parties, like we're gonna serve the good stuff. Then we're gonna bring out Milwaukee's best. We're gonna serve the good stuff. We're gonna bring out the others. Like no one's gonna know 
the difference. Maybe that was just rule of thumb. But watch, isn't it interesting that when Jesus was called upon, even though it was day three, even though the party is declining, that as soon as Jesus intervened, what was on its way to becoming the worst turned into the best because of Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that just like life? Sometimes what was on its way to becoming the worst, all of a sudden when Jesus is invited and welcomed to have the last word, what was about to be the worst turns into the best. Just like that, when you involve Jesus. The best was saved for last. Jesus got the last word and it was the best word. Jesus got the last say, he totally saved the day. And the thing I love most about serving Jesus and living a life devoted to him is that in Jesus Christ, the best is not just at the beginning. Hear me tonight, this is important for you to understand. The best is not just at the beginning. The best is always ahead of me. The best is always being saved for in front of me. The best is ahead of me. The best is always being worked out before me and not sitting behind me. You see, I think the same rule of thumb is like in our world today as people thought in parties back in Bible times, right? Normally the best stuff is on day one. You're getting the, the crappier stuff on day three. I think people in the world perceive life with Jesus this way. They think, well, man, if I'm, gonna, if I'm gonna surrender my life to Jesus and I'm really gonna be this Christian and do this stuff with all these other believers, then I guess I just have to come to the you know, conclusion that I guess my, my best days are behind me. You know, I, get, I guess all my fun times are behind me. I guess all my, 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 my times kicking with my friends, having a good time, really enjoying life, I guess all that's behind me now. But hey, for the sake of heaven, I guess I'll just endure some of these mediocre days and kind of give my life to Jesus and nothing could be further from the truth. Your best days in Jesus Christ are always ahead of you. Come on, there, there are some people who are literally like, they're afraid. They're like, I don't know if I wanna give my life to Jesus because I just don't, I, I, I wanna keep having fun. I wanna keep having life be enjoyable and fulfilling and, and you know nothing of fulfillment outside of Jesus. You know nothing of fun and enjoyable. My life now serving Jesus is the most fun, attractive, exciting, inspiring, adventurous time I've ever had in my whole life because God's always saving the best for last. The best is always in front of me. My God, if my high school days were the best days I've ever lived, then we are all doomed. That's horrible. Oh my gosh, you know? I mean, even my if my college days, if that's as good as it gets, then life ain't that great. But man, my best days are always ahead of me when God gets the last word. Come on, he's the first, right? He started it all. When he, when he spoke the world into existence. I, I, you know what I love this about God? He spoke the world into existence, but he formed man with his hands. He took it to the next level. God could have just, just said something and man would be created, but he wanted to be more, he wanted to be, have a greater bond. He wanted to be more attached with man. And so he actually used his hands, picked up some dirt, and he made man, made you and I with his hands. He's, he was there in the first, but when he's invited to come and be the last word, in your life, man, I'm telling you, it'll change everything. Nothing could be further from the truth that your best days are behind you. They're never behind you, they're always in front of you. Understand this, I, I had to write this down. Best doesn't mean that you're always healthy, wealthy, famous, and popular, okay? I wanna put it into perspective for you. Best doesn't always mean healthy, wealthy, famous, popular, got nothing to worry about, like that, that's not always best. You may never have all of those things at the same time, but what do you do have? You have Jesus. 
Someone told me one time, or, or, or they asked me, they said this, well, Pastor Clay, well, what do I get if I give my life to Jesus? Answer, you get Jesus and he'll be enough. That's, that's what you get, right? Like, isn't that just so our generation to always be like, yo, what's in it for me? What, what, what do I get? I mean, can you give me, is it like, is it like, stuff? like it's, it's, this is not some infomercial, right? This is not some spiritual divine infomercial. Well, hey, if you call in the next 20 minutes, I'm gonna throw in blah, 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 blah. That's not what this is with Jesus. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you get Jesus and he will from now till forevermore be everything, all that you need. All that you need. That's what you get when you make Jesus first and last in your life. Jesus is my portion. Come on, Psalm 73. Jesus is my reward. Revelation 22. As the band comes up and joins me tonight, let's look at that Revelation 22 passage. Revelation 22, starting in verse 12, it says this. It says, look, I'm coming soon, right? This is Jesus talking. Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I'll give to each person according to what they've done. I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Jesus makes it very, very clear here. This, this passage right here shows us two amazing things. Number one, Jesus is the first and the last. We've seen that already. He's the first and the last. But number two, when you welcome Jesus to have the last word in your life, he becomes your great reward. He becomes your great reward. Man, I, just, I, I can't help but just sit back and think sometimes like, how much our generation puts stock in stuff and you aren't taking it anywhere. You aren't taking it anywhere. You can accrue a lot of stuff and stuff in and of itself isn't bad things. I'm not saying don't get a great job. I'm not saying don't save your money and provide for your family. I'm not saying don't do all that. that in and of itself, it's not bad things. But when you put your hope in it and you put a lot of stock in it, it's, it's gonna all be taken from you one day and then what's your reward? But when you allow Jesus to have last word and last work in your life, the Bible says then great is your reward because it's Jesus and he's with us in the end. Doesn't matter if error happened in the middle, doesn't matter if letters, so to speak, got messy and out of order along the journey, Jesus is your first and Jesus is your last. The beauty of the gospel is that we all have the opportunity to make Jesus the last. We all have the opportunity to welcome him to have that last word. God, if you'll remember, we did a series earlier in the year about 12 things God can't do. One of those things was God cannot be prejudiced, right? God's not prejudiced. God is not prejudiced on who he serves and he's not prejudiced on who he saves, okay? It's equal opportunity for everybody, who he serves and who he saves. And just as we were reminded in that verse in John chapter two, when Jesus is invited and welcomed into your life, he saves the day and his best begins to unfold in our lives. Maybe you're on a day two stint right now, right? And it's like, it's like groundhog day two, right? You just keep living it over and over and over and life seemingly just getting worse and worse and worse, totally declining. You see no light at the end of the tunnel. You feel like, man, I don't, I, I don't know what's gonna happen. I mean, fingers crossed, hope 2016's better, but I don't know. And, and, all, and you just feel like it's crashing and it's tanking. You invite Jesus to come in. You welcome Jesus to the party. Of your life, Jesus saves the day. 
and now the best begins to be rolled out. I mean, think about it. Everybody on day two, right? They're running out of wine. They're running out. But everyone is sitting around thinking, this wine's great. We like it. This is really good. This is great. But they had no idea that better wine was coming on day three. But everyone thought, everyone would have sworn up and down, no, 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 this day one and two stuff, this is good drink right here, okay? This is good. Everyone would have sworn by it. They had no idea that better was at day three. How many people are living life swearing up and down, this has got to be as good as it gets. But they have no idea that when you welcome Jesus into your life and to the party, that day three is going to open your eyes up to something that you never even knew existed. Far better and far greater than anything you've ever tasted thus far. Taste and see that Jesus is good. I wrote this down. If you want to write this down, it'd be great. When you put God first in your life, you never have to fear what's last. When you put God first in your life, sub 30, you never gotta fear what's last because you're always gonna know it's God's best. Saving best for last. He's always gonna do more. You know what God's gonna do in 2016? He's gonna do more than he did in 2015. Like God never starts a new year saying, man, I really wanna do a lot less than I did last year. I'm just gonna kinda take it easy angels. Let's kick our feet up. No, no, come on. God's always wanted, he's always going to eclipse himself. He's always going to do more. He's always got greater. He's always got better all in front of you. If you make him the last word and work in your life, it's always going to be the best. Jesus is the first and Jesus is the last. And I guess on this last, come on, night of sub 30, 2015, I just wanted to give people an opportunity to respond to God. I want to give people an opportunity to make that declaration, make that decision that, you know what, maybe I started great, maybe God did form and fashion a plan and purpose for my life, but the middle of this journey has gotten pretty crazy. Middle's gotten out of whack. Middle's gotten just nuts. Middle's gotten crazy, chaotic. Some of it, it was outside of my control. Some of it was fully in my control and I made poor decisions. The middle has gotten nuts, but, but I, I want to end this year with, with the bookend being Jesus doing a redeeming work in my life. Jesus doing a restoring work in my life. Jesus making all things new. Jesus saving. Je Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is gonna get the last word. And maybe you even feel like this year, we, we can apply this idea of first and last to our life film, if you will, but, but maybe it's even just this year, right? Maybe you started 2015 off on like a spiritual high. If you're with us at Celebration, normally in January, we always have like a big revival, awakening revival is what we call it. And we have great services. We have a conference at the end of January. And, and it's like the whole church is just kind of on this spiritual high. This is awesome. I love God. I'm reading my Bible. This is great. I love my church family. I'm going to small group, right? But, but let's just be honest. Not everyone stays on the high. Some people, you know, middle comes, summer comes, fall away, make some bad decisions. You got into a relationship that wasn't healthy, made some poor choices, found yourself outside. I, I don't know, but maybe you could just look at this year and say, man, there's been some middle that's gotten out of, out of control. But, but thank God the year's not over, right? It, it, it's only December 6th. And here on December 6th, I can say, Jesus, come and, and take control of this thing before it gets, it gets out of, of my reach and I feel like I don't have time to get it back, perhaps like, like Jesus, come. Jesus, be the first. Jesus, be the last. Right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just while you're seated, 
If that's you, it's a simple message tonight, really. It's, it's not super profound or prolific or whatever. I mean, it's just, it's just Jesus who wants to do a work in our life, if we'll allow him. And right now, with no one looking around, just for the sake of privacy, if that's you, I would just love to pray with you right now. If you would say, man, I really need God to, to, to take that last position in my life. I wanna pray with you right now. I just ask that maybe you lift your hand on the count of three. One, two, three, just put your hand up. Hands up all over the place. Just keep it up for just a second. Anyone else? Just a couple more seconds. Anyone else? I, man, I'm so, I can't wait to pray with you. It's awesome. All right, you can put your hand down. Awesome. A lot of hands, a lot, a lot of hands. I figured there might be. Nothing to be ashamed of, right? Nothing to be, nothing to be condemned about. No one's perfect. We all, we all make error, you know what I mean? Like, like I've never written a lengthy page paper without there being some spelling error. It's kind of like life. You, you keep living years and years of life. There's just gonna come moments where you don't get it right every single time. But man, Jesus is there and he can always be invited to come and do a redeeming work in our life at any point, at any time. And I wanna pray with you because tonight is the night for all those people that raise their hands. Let's just pray this prayer. In fact, why don't you repeat it after me? Everyone say, Lord Jesus, tonight I recognize that you are the first, that you started it all, that you formed me, you fashioned me, and you had me in mind when you created the earth. But Jesus, tonight, I need you to come into my life and take the last place, take the last word, and do the last work in my life. I thank you for the cross. I thank you that it made a way for me to have a real genuine relationship with you. From this day on, I am yours and you are mine in Jesus' name, amen. And God, in Jesus' name right now, I pray for every single individual. God, I pray that as we continue to walk out this relationship with you, Jesus, that you would constantly, always be showing us, Lord, what your best is for our life. We, we know it's there. We know it exists, but God, we wanna step into it. Lord, it is, it's not like you're trying to keep things hidden from us. You're, you're, not, you're not trying to play games with us, God. It's there, but Lord, as we, as we walk it out, God, I pray that you would make it so clear. Lord, I think that in our generation, people are just searching for clarity. People are searching for just understanding at times. God, I pray that you would keep, be, just be gracious and, and generous in showing next steps for every single individual in here. God, where you want us to go, what you want us to do, what you want us to pursue. God, who we need to link up with in life. Maybe for right now, who we don't need to link up with in life. God, just make it clear. We always, God, we always wanna say and declare that you are the first and the last in our life. Jesus, we love you and we honor you tonight. In your name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together right now. Let's thank God.